Hello, my badass fire starters. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. My name is Caitlin Matanley, and this show is all about achieving the sacred pleasure of your highest potential through spirituality, self-empowerment, entrepreneurship, and magic. It's time to unabashedly blaze your own path by turning up the volume on your total authenticity. I'm an outlaw life and success coach for rebel boss witches and modern mystics, and I'm so excited to have you join me. Thank you for listening. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. This is Caitlin Matanley, as you know, because, you know, you're listening to the show on purpose, although this may be the first time you've heard the show, in which case I'm Caitlin Matanley. This is my show, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm here today with my first repeat guest. I'm really excited about this because every guest I've had on the show, I've wanted like a repeat session with, and I'm always like, okay, how long can I go before being like, can you come on the podcast again? (laughs) But since this is astrology month, I had an amazing excuse to invite my friend Hannah Piper Burns back on the show. So you may remember Hannah from, well, I don't remember what number episode it was, and I don't even number the episodes anymore. So Back way back when we talked about relationship astrology, the real astrology of love here on the show. And I have invited Hannah back today to talk about relationship astrology of all kinds, or other words, how we can not kill our coworkers and everyone else in our lives using astrology. So if you don't remember Hannah, I'm going to introduce you to her again. Hannah Piper Burns is an extra mundane anthropologist of her culture's phenomena detritus, kitsch, and trauma. She is guided by the axioms as above, so below, and not either or, but both and yes. Her project-based multimedia practice evokes ambivalent embodiment, intimacy with complicity, and the metaphysics of banality. She plays fast and loose with the idea of mediums and materials. Hannah hosts a podcast, Stars and Roses, that examines reality TV through the lens of astrology and the zodiac practices casual divination, and enjoys dance aerobics. So I would like to welcome artist, astrologer, all-around fabulous person, Hannah Piper Burns, to the show. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Hey, babe. Thank you so much for having me back. I can't believe I'm your first repeat. You are. (laughs) It sounds kind of dirty, right? You're my first repeat. (laughs) Sure, sure. No? Is that just me? I'm I'm literally such a child. (laughs) It might just be I am a child when it comes to humor, and I don't apologize in the slightest. (laughs) And I don't want you to. Good, good, because it's not (laughs) happening anytime soon. So Hannah, starting off today, I would love for you to share with our listeners, some of whom may know you already, and some of whom have no idea who the fuck you are. Tell us about your work as an astrologer, about your podcast, and how you discovered astrology to begin with. Sure. I would love to talk to you about my astrology journey. Journey is a uh, buzzword in the reality TV world as well, which is why I like using it so much. Um, Long story short, I didn't believe in astrology for a really long time because I didn't find it applicable to my life. I am a Virgo sun and most of the stuff that people told me about what I was like 
was patently false. And I had the evidence right there. Like they'd be like, oh, so you must be a neat freak. And I'd be like, uh, no. I mean, you saw my room in college. Wait, can I interrupt here? Because aside from the neat freak thing, you're literally like the most Virgo person I know. (laughs) (laughs) Is that so? I mean, uh, well, I'm just going to say no comment because that is a conversation (laughs) that we could have for like (laughs) many, many hours. However, um, I didn't feel, I guess, you know, I didn't feel like it uh, resonated with me. Um, But then as I learned more about, you know, my big three and actually uh, learned my actual birth time, which was um, probably about five years ago. Um, things started to click into place a lot more. The nuance started revealing itself a lot more. And I was able to kind of see how it worked in my life. And um, then I started studying astrology, like as part of a lunation practice. So working with the phases of the moon and doing rituals and journaling and things like that. Um, Sarah Gottesdiener, who hosts the Strange Magic podcast, has a lunar planner that I was following for years. And that was sort of my gateway into astrology as a practice. And at my old job, uh, I wrote for a movie news website and I did this monthly column called Cinescope, where I would recommend five films for the astrological season. And that could be directors, that could be actors, that could be themes, aesthetics, whatever. Um, And then I lost that job a year, like a year ago. (laughs) And um, it gave me a lot of spaciousness in my life to, among other things, like really deepen into the practice. So since that, I have been uh, really focused, I guess. And the podcast kind of grew out of that. So in my other life, I'm an artist. I create a lot of work with um, found media, specifically reality television. So I've been working with The Bachelor and I've been watching The Bachelor for like 10 years. And uh, slowly, um, astrological themes started kind of creeping into the work. Like I had an exhibition called Venus Retrograde, which... Uh, a retrograde, like the, mer- the period of Mercury stationing and and moving retrograde now, but Venus and um, Chiron, who is a kind of minor planet slash asteroid, and uh, is the archetype of the wounded healer, and. For me, that was like an analog and an anagram of Chris Harrison, who's the host of The Bachelor. Because like, Chiron is an ironic placement. I think that's why people like him so much, even though he doesn't actually have a lot of weight in a chart. Um, Yeah, we're just obsessed with irony. And Chris Harrison being like the divorced host of a reality show, like dating contest, um, is pretty ironic. Oh, the ironing. Oh, the ironing. (laughs) So then I started this podcast as a kind of experiment because I wanted to see if it, if, if astrology worked 
in the context of The Bachelor. So that involved one part recapping, one part um, stalking contestants to social media to find birthdays, uh, which is a pretty at times intense endeavor that uh, like I had to crowdsource and double check and you get new information and have to rerun a chart and, and rethink everything, you know? Um, and then also uh, studying, studying their placements. And it, in this case, it's like sort of a limited view because we don't know birth times in many cases. So we know the personal planets in most cases, the moon, but we don't know their angles, you know, and we don't know specifically their rising sign or where, you know, where, where their house system is going. So that brings us, I guess, to today. That's super interesting. I, you know, it's funny that, um, it's funny that the theme always comes up with interviews, I find, especially people who are, you know, working in their discipline currently, (laughs) this whole, you know, lost a job or left a job. And then that gave me space to do this thing. And it's funny because (laughs) I remember when that happened, it wasn't a fit and not to put you on the spot here, but I remember saying like, Oh, awesome. Congratulations. And then realizing that that's probably not the best way to respond to someone who said they just lost the job. And yet I guess in the end I was right. I mean, I think it depends on uh, a lot of things. I have (laughs) Jupiter and Capricorn. So, you know, I really define my worth by having a job. (laughs) Wait, do I have Jupiter? my work. Do I? Where's my Jupiter? I'm forgetting. Oh, I think I'm Jupiter. If we're born in the same Yeah. I mean, it's I have a Capricorn too. Are you a rat? I'm a rat. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of realized that correlation that, that there's like a loose right. correlation between the Chinese Zodiac and Jupiter because it's a, it's a annual. Um, oh, I never thought of that. Orbit. That's really interesting. Yeah. I definitely can relate. I mean, I, I, I would say I have absolutely struggled with defining myself through work, whether it was like a job or a business or whatever. So I get that. <laughs> And I think, you know, we could talk again forever about outer planets, about, you know, Pluto placements and how that is generational, Uranus placements and how that's generational, things like that, and like trends. Um, I just read something about how Neptune um, governs trends. And I was thinking like, oh, memes must be co-ruled by Mercury and Neptune. I would agree with that statement for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, spoken only anyway, as what was the question? <laughs> spoken only as a cultural critic could could speak. <laughs> uh, I try. <laughs> Let's dive into relationships because I find that you know, people always talk about love and romantic relationships when it comes to astrology because everybody wants to know if they're compatible with their partner, or if they should dump them. <laughs> but, right. I would, I'm really interested in how astrology plays into the other relationships in our lives. You know, how we can use astrology to 
understand everybody, you know, whether it's our obnoxious coworker who probably don't know their entire chart unless we're a stalker, like maybe I am, I don't know. But, (laughs) you know, and how we can get along with our family members, our friends, all the different relationships in our lives. What do you have to say about the clues in our charts for how we interact with others outside of just romance? Sure. That's, I mean, that's a great, a great, great question. And it has many answers because um, the natal chart's a really complicated thing and transits and uh, all of that stuff. I mean, that said, there are a lot of things you can look at. In fact, what I would say actually, first of all, is let people reveal their astrology to you rather than projecting their astrology onto them, first of all. So if, <laughs> if you don't know something about your coworker, for example, um, just pay attention, you know? Um, and you might not have the exact language for it, but you'll, if you know stuff about astrology, you'll know that, you know, their communication style has to do with their mercury, their talents, you know, their aesthetic preferences and their like way of connecting with the world, what they're the ambassador for that's Venus, you know? So, you know, astrology is about these forces and we don't have to make it so cut and dry. Does that make sense? Definitely. I guess it's, it sounds like what you're saying is that we can look to those same, you know, placements. I mean, for example, if you're talking about Venus, you know, as just a very simple example, but we can look at those same placements and use them to unpack all of our relationships, regardless of the type. Is, does that sound about right? Yeah, exactly. And it's the same way that we can like look at, say, what the chart of the moment is and talk about like, Venus in Sagittarius in a more holistic sense. And like, what, what kind of energy is that? Um, and then we can recognize that energy in other people in various ways. I was just listening um, to this podcast from um, Astrology University. And it was an interview um, between Tony Howard and Mark Jones. And they were talking about how like astrology operates differently for everybody. So every time you do astrology for somebody (laughs) or study somebody's chart, you are also figuring out how the system works for them. There's no blanket solution, right? Right. That's, that said my, like my first tip for getting along with anyone is this, the moon hack. If you know their moon, just flatter their moon. This is, I have a really funny story about this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I guess it's, I can, I can give, I can give this example. I was like, I was like, should I be anonymous? But I was like, no, it's, it's not like that at all. So <laughs> I recently, after I interviewed Colin Bedell a couple weeks ago and I met, I emailed him afterwards with the, you know, link and everything like I do with everybody. And, you know, I usually like to, you know, include like a note about, you know, thanking them for being fucking awesome. And it was really funny because his response was, oh my God, you know how to flatter my moon. (laughs) 
Yeah. And it's so funny that you say that because I think you're so right. I mean, for we talked about this on the on the love astrology episode way back when, but you can look, you know, I, I think the moon is one of the sort of unsung heroes of even romantic astrology too, because it really gives you those clues as to how people are like comforted, what they need to hear. And really that's what connection is about to some extent, giving people what they need to hear in a really genuine, authentic way. Right. And it's about intimacy. It's about seeing beyond in a way like the moon is not always visible, but it's always there. Ooh, um, I like which that. Kind of, right. Yeah. It kind of, it's a good segue actually to the, the kind of next thing I wanted to talk about, which is a little bit more technical, but it's, uh, and it has to do with like, if you, if, like, if you know someone's big three, for example, um, and you use say full sign houses or, I mean, you you might not have like an uh like a super precise um measurement but for example if you know that their ascendant is in Taurus then you know their angles and um angles are not celestial bodies they're mathematical points and there's tons of examples of that throughout a natal chart like black moon lilith and the nodes things like that uh, part of fortune vertex, all that stuff. So the angles are sort of the most significant, perhaps other than the nodes. And I loved your episode on the nodes, by the way. Um, I've been really, I've been really digging into the I fucking love nodes. the nodes. Like the nodes are, uh, I have been like hardcore stepping into the, my Taurus North node. Like literally Ooh. my entire Instagram feed right now. I, I don't, those of you listening don't know this, but Hannah does. I had muted my entire feed for like a month. Guess what my entire feed consists of now, Hannah? Is it, is it? What's like the most Taurus North Node thing you could imagine filling an Instagram feed? I mean, for me, it's... <laughs> this, isn't a, this isn't a pop quiz, sorry. <laughs> um, no, for me, like when I think about Taurus, I think about texture. Okay. Well, for me, this is like, it's like literally 85% personal finance blogs now. <laughs> oh, I get that for North Node. I, I often um, forget about the money connection with Taurus. I know that sounds crazy. And it's like, I have a second house stellium. So you'd think I'd be on that tip because uh, Taurus some people believe Taurus rules this second house. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. In a, in a uh, yeah, because, you know, there's 12 houses. So people think like, oh, Aries, house of the self, one, Taurus, assets, three, Gemini, siblings, neighbors, local communication, and so on. Anyway, I digress. Um, so along with the nodes and, and some other uh, mathematical calculations, the angles are... Um, these four points that has to do with the cycle of the sun on the day we were born. So you might know that this, what we call the ascendant or the rising sign is so-called because it's the constellation uh, that was uh, ascending over the horizon, rising when you were born. So 
when you look at your natal chart and you see the AC for ascendant, there you can draw a line across your chart horizontally, and that's the horizon line. And the uh, opposite, so on the other side of the ascendant is the descendant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's also the, the midheaven, which you may have heard about. And midheaven is uh, also associated with the 10th house, although depending on the house system you use, it's not always in the 10th house, mine's in the 11th. Um, and the midheaven is high noon. It's the most, you know, visible. And in some ways that even more, you know, people talk about the um, ascendant as how people see you. I don't think that's actually really accurate. I think that's more about the midheaven or about like sort of how, how you prove yourself. Uh, Alice Barkley cat, who, you know, is my fucking favorite in the world says um, that the midheaven is about uh, what oppresses you. So it's sort of like um, Stephen Forrest kind of echoes that actually in the inner sky. He talks about how uh, it's like what people see at a distance it's like, oh, they're wearing scrubs. They're a nurse, uh huh. for example. You know what I yeah. mean? And that's the midheaven. And there's another side to the midheaven. If you go down, 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 down to the bottom of the chart, that's your nadir. Love that word too. Your nadir. Uh, or the icy, which is where the sun is at its lowest point. So I don't really know much about that. I've, I've seen it on my chart and just kind of ignored it. The IC. The IC. So I want to talk about the, the DC and the IC because those are sort of like these, you know, what I love about astrology is that it is sort of this um, relational aesthetic <laughs> mm-hmm. in the sense that everything is kind of informed by its relationship to something else. And you see that like, I came to that, like I said, through a lunation practice, and it was something that I recognized very early. You know, when we're in Scorpio season, the full moon is in Taurus. So we're forced to think about how those two energies are two sides of the same coin and what they what they represent and how they can be balanced, you know? So I love that astrology is this kind of series of like, you can divine something by its opposite and digging into that. And the ascendant is, uh, I mean, it's one of the big three. It's something people talk about a lot, the rising sign. And um, a lot of people say that, again, it has to do with your like persona or how people first see you or sort of their immediate impression. And so it's sort of like, well, what's the opposite of that? And I, I actually think about the ascendant as your mask. So it's like your pair of glasses that you, it's not necessarily how people see you. It's how you look out. It's also like the easiest persona to slip on for you. It's sort of like your go-to. I like that. Like the lens you see through the world, like you see, I'm sorry, the lens you see the world through. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And so the DC then would be how others see you, 
would be, that would be how others see you. Or you could call it like the aspects of the self that influence attraction. Or it could be if ascendance, what you're putting out, if that's the mask you're choosing to put out there, then the descendant is that which you're calling in. Does that make sense? So, so is it like the ascendant is what you're hoeing? And I'm sorry, what you're sowing and the descendant is what you're hoeing? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you nailed it. Nice. I. <laughs> yeehaw. Yippee-ki-yay. Yeehaw. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who, you know who um, taught me that expression? Are you sowing what I'm hoeing? Our, our friend, our mutual friend, Kathleen, who's a farmer. <laughs> oh, who's a farmer and a Taurus. This is true. Look at that. This is true. <laughs> this is- so the other, the other thing I wanted to talk about in relationship to angles is the IC too, which is like, okay, so if the midheaven is what is most visible, then the IC would have to be what's most hidden. And that's what you're hiding even from yourself. That's the repressed shit. That's the root, you know? I'm literally going to pull out my chart right now and find out my eyes. That's your heritage. That's interesting. Well, I mean, what is your midheaven? My midheaven is Aquarius. Okay, well, then your IC is probably Leo, depending on the math. Interesting. So the Leo is like my... Like, how did you just describe it in a really interesting way? What was that? (laughs) Can you say that again? (laughs) Like, it's what what I'm hiding for myself or something like that? Yeah, it's almost like... It's almost like your root, like your heritage, your, um, yeah, that's that, which is like the most private. Interesting. And it's like, you know, Leo, people think Leo and they think, I don't know, extrovert, right? They think like on, they think on stage spotlight, right? Uh Uh-huh. But I don't, I don't necessarily think. I mean, it's, that's obviously, that's obviously one aspect of it, but I think there's so much more to the idea of Leo, especially when you think about, again, it, it as the mirror of Aquarius. So that's another way to think about it. It's like, what's the mirror of your public self? Interesting. Interesting. I'm, the mirror image. I'm, I'm literally, yeah, Aquarius. So my IC is, is that Leo? Sometimes I literally sometimes cannot remember which of these symbols is which. The one that's like the the line, that's not helpful. It should just say I it should say I see and if it's not on the chart, it it'll just be the same degree. Oh, it's of. oh, it's definitely on the chart. I'm just like trying to remember yeah. what sign this little squiggle is because I can't remember. Like the signs of each of the zodiac, you know, like Oh, does it look like hair? Does yeah. it look like um, Yeah, it looks like hair. Yeah, that's Leo. Oh, that's a good- like if it looks like a little hair flip. That's a good way to remember it. Oh my gosh, you've literally oh my gosh. changed my life. Um I met these I met these girls at a party the other night. Um <laughs> It was cute. Uh we were like, you know, outside smoking cigarettes and they both had pretty prominent Leo placements and I was like well, I've never met somebody with a strong Leo and like placement that had bad hair. I just haven't. This is true. This is true. I just haven't. And it really, fla- it, you know, that's, that's the way to flatter a Leo and, <laughs> and impress people with your astrology knowledge in, in one fell swoop. Um, yeah. So that's what I wanted to say about 
angles, um, which also have to do with the houses, like depending on your house system, you might think hear about the angles being like the cusps of houses. That's not the system I use not to get too in the weeds about it. But that leads me into this kind of larger discussion of the houses, because again, if you think about the ascendant being the first house, then what would the descendant be in? Oh, do you want me to answer? <laughs> is that Sorry, a test? Okay. The leading question. <laughs> You're like, is she gonna is she gonna answer her own question? Is she gonna answer her own question? Uh, we can just play we can play chicken I remember all one day. time I was interviewing somebody I forget who and I like answered their question. It was like by their response, clearly supposed to be a rhetorical question. <laughs> so now I'm paranoid. So you said the one was in the first, so the other one's in the sixth, because they're opposites. Seventh, because it's six, oh, right. 12 right. signs, Radio. six apart. Right. And if you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a student of astrology, you might know that the seventh house is traditionally considered the house of quote unquote marriage. I don't, I don't like that particularly, but it is a house of commitments. Um, we talked about that uh, actually last time about like open enemies it's your house of it's your house of open enemies and um, equal partnerships. So it could be business partners too. Like that, um, that definitely falls into it as well. Um, and then the IC, like if if your midheaven is traditionally considered the cusp of your tenth house. In my case, it's in my eleventh house, but whatever, whatever. Um, then the IC is like your fourth house, which again has to do with yeah heritage foundation. You know, you can't see the foundation of your house, but that doesn't mean it's not fucking important, right? Right. <laughs> right. Clearly, <laughs> my, my answers to these questions, clearly, I'm, this I'm, is a, going B really well. I'm, a, I'm a I'm a B student uh, of astrology. <laughs> I did tell you earlier that I hit my head really hard this morning. I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. Let me just go on record and say Did I get a B? I Do I get a B at least? Um, yeah, A for effort. Um, a for astrology. Okay, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so that, yeah, then there are, um, the houses, which of, of which there are 12 and I like, I like a whole sign house system because 12 signs, 12 houses, it's a kind of nice symmetry. Um, all have to do with different aspects of life. And again, they are often kind of modeled off of like what a patriarch would mm, value, true. you yeah. know, in terms of like um, life stages. So I really try to, you know, queer the idea again of like what a seventh house is, um, what a fourth house is, that kind of stuff. Um, so that said, you know, if you know somebody's ascendant, this is this is what I love about whole sign houses too, as a system, especially if you're just learning. If you know somebody's ascendant, you know their house system because their ascendant's in their first house. So I'm Scorpio ascendant. That means that Sagittarius rules my second house. Gemini rules my third house. Aquarius, uh, I'm sorry. Gemini rules the third house. Capricorn rules my third house, Aquarius rules my fourth, Pisces my fifth, and so on, right? So if you know someone's big three and it's like, oh, I don't know, if 
whether this is someone you're looking to date, whether this is a coworker or a boss or something like, you know, everybody has co-star, um, unfortunately, but big three is a pretty common thing to know. So if you have their house system, you can start seeing again, like what aspects of their life are wired together and maybe what energies they're expressing in what areas of their life. Even if their house is empty, it's still like being expressed in yeah. a style, if that makes sense. And but honestly, even if you think a house is empty, one thing I've learned is there's a lot of fucking <laughs> shit in the sky. It's probably not empty. There's something in there. And it might not be like, you know, super significant, but it's, you know, empty is, uh, is kind of a miss understanding of of that uh, yeah I totally agree because I mean you you taught me actually in a session that we had you taught me that where let me make sure I remember it correctly that you know if you're looking at the house that the sign is in that tells you a lot even if there's you know quote unquote nothing in it right right exactly so like I uh don't have any thing major in my well actually that's not true my series is in Taurus conjunct my descendant which is something I'm digging into as you know I have a new uh interest in the asteroid goddesses which like Chiron are sort of minor asteroids slash small planets um and those especially like Juno and Ceres and Vesta can also tell you about relationships. Now here we're getting really granular, right? So we're getting into like stuff that may not have a lot of weight unless it's in proximity to other things, but it can tell you, it can kind of give you a more nuanced view. So like, for example, Juno, who's like a super problematic figure and a super problematic place placement, all the asteroid goddesses, full disclosure, are like, extremely problematic placements. I'm doing my best. Juno is about commitment. And it's about marriage in a way that Venus simply is not. Venus is, you know, probably poly. Venus likes making connections. Juno is about making it work. For better or for worse, I think. But it also, um, the prevailing wisdom about Juno is that it also kind of can point to what you what you look for or like your patterns in partnership or what you want in committed partnership. So I think we talked about this actually last time. Your Juno is in Libra. Oh, I don't remember that. But I now that you are telling me that, I kind of remember that. And mine is in Leo. <laughs> conjunct Vesta, which is Vesta is um, kind of about dedication on a spiritual level. And it's about sort of like, yeah, your like quotidian ritual too. And like, um, so you could say that because my Juno and Vesta 
are conjunct in Leo, I might need someone who shares like similar spiritual beliefs, which is true, actually. I mean, much like a lot of astrology, it's that concept is common. It's just putting words to it in a different way. And then um, Ceres, well, Ceres is the traditional mother of Persephone. So the Ceres placement is often sort of conflated with nurturing and motherhood. Um, but I've done some kind of deeper research into Ceres because I've really been trying to figure this one out. And to me, Ceres represents like, have you heard the term onanism? I haven't. What does that mean? It's like sex that's not for reproduction. Like, 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 fun, like, like all fun sex? So, like sex you know what in general i mean it includes masturbation <laughs> okay, okay i mean masturbation would fall under and also uh pulling out maybe <laughs> to get, oh, <laughs> to get oh, okay so like even if you don't want to reproduce if someone comes inside you it's not odinism is that too graphic <laughs> i mean i think we are kind of getting we're like veering into a, another conversation that could last a really long time and again you know i'm not really okay sure. let's let, let's let's pull it back let's the pull it back however onanism has a sort of relationship to procreation so it's like non-procreative sex let's just put it that way um which includes masturbation which includes you could say in a broader definition birth control it like everything catholics God, I'm just thinking like everything, everything they hate. Okay. Um, and it's also, um, but the other side of that, it's also about like, I think series is like the bioethical placement. It's about like biology as an asset. It's about like, it's about like, I see that with Persephone and like her kind of hungry ghost energy around her daughter. It's like the, it's like the women who um, engage in sort of ethically ambiguous classist fertility practices if that makes sense like i'm just gonna say it kim kardashian um paying surrogate to have uh -huh. children. okay stuff like that that's a series that's like a series situation so if by someone's um series placement you can long story long sorry i just have, always have to get up on my little <laughs> my little soapbox um it's like about self-love and i think if you can talk to someone in their language of self-love you can like really hold a little key to their to their heart to their tender heart that's so interesting so i'm curious like how we can wrap all this up it's such amazing information for us in just like a i don't know like a couple of sentences that we can take with us what is a what can we do if there's someone in our life who we kind of can't stand? Like what is the thing we should be looking at first in their chart and what is sort of an actionable thing we can do even if maybe we don't understand all of the deep astrological nitty-gritty? What is the thing we can do to better connect with them? Well, this an answer that I don't I mean it's one of these answers that's like simple but not easy and it's also I mean I'm going to answer with again, the opposite, because that's kind of 
again, a core tenet of astrology, like, here's what not to do. Do not say, oh, well, of course I don't get along with them. They're a fucking Gemini. Gemini's are the worst. <laughs> That's what you don't Fair do. Enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> there's this practice called Metta that is a meditation practice where you wish people <laughs> that you have a fraught relationship with well every day. You picture them and say a prayer. You pray for them. So you say like, I'm a prayer for um, you. And I think like in your head. <laughs> yeah, pray. I guess what I'm trying to say it is does pray work, for though, your really. Haters. Like I've done it officially as well as unofficially just if I'm having trouble with somebody. And yeah. it really does cause an actual shift to happen. It's amazing. It is. It is amazing. And it, I think astrology can be a form of prayer in the sense that it's a form of it can be a real tool for empathy and compassion it's it's what keeps me coming back every time i get the chance to see someone's natal chart like every time someone trusts me with their birth info and i'm able to run it and get a chart and like i call it looking under the hood i mean it's a privilege because I feel like I see them in a new way and I, I understand them in a new way and it like causes certain things to click into place. And that's like such a beautiful, uh, that can be such a beautiful side effect of astrology is what it has on you and like your ability to understand people in general better. I, um, this is a, I mean, so I, I looked at my mom's astrology recently. I don't know my mom's birth time, but I um, got an ephemeris out and like just started running placements for what I knew about when she was born and, and where. Um, and it really made me understand her on a different level. And it's real. And I think that's, if it can help you, um, if it can help you be a better communicator, if you're, I, I, I would guess like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, and this is very relevant to your interest, is mindset is important. Don't look at someone's chart while you're in a bad mood and feeling staticky toward them. You know, look at someone's, look at someone's birth chart with an eye to like figuring out how to speak their love language, yeah. you know, like the four love languages. Cause that's, that's what it's all about. It's like, you should use it as a tool to understand people better, not judge people better. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's, I think at, at the end of the day, really what it comes down to not judging people just yeah. because they're different from you. Even if you're a Capricorn, like I am, and you know that you're the best. <laughs> So in closing, we have just a couple minutes left. Tell everybody where they can find you online and how they can get in touch with you for a session or to ask you any questions they have or anything else you have for us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I had such a great time as always. Um, thanks for letting me ramble on um, about the stars. It's my favorite thing to do in the world. I would love to read 
your charts out there in the world. I am uh, currently doing pay what you can chart readings. They're half an hour. They are uh, over Zoom. And if you want to schedule with me, um, I can link my landing page in the show notes. Does that work? Or you can send me a DM on Instagram. It's uh, baby underscore Baba underscore Yaga. Or I'm a little dormant right now because we're between seasons and I like really need my <laughs> my nader time, my quiet private time right now uh, after like a very mid heavy focused uh, season being a podcast host. I'm sure you can understand. Um, but stars and roses underscore podcast is, uh, where you can find my podcast account. And if you're, if you're into the bachelor, I have a lot of great info on contestants astrology on there. And I am thinking about opening the show up to be more about uh, reality TV in general because um, <laughs> I've been I've been back on my bullshit and binge watching The Hills A and B um, watching this great reality show on Terrace House uh, called Terrace House on Netflix and um, been really getting nerdy about the astrology of the contestants on those shows as well. Um, you can find my. Uh, some of my time-based artworks uh, at vimeo.com backslash HPB, Hannah Piper Burns, HPB, or hannahpiperburns.com. Oh, and if you're um, in the mood for a really special holiday gift for someone, uh, currently through December 5th, I am collaborating with my dear friend Jay Alford of Bill & Jay Clothing to do this astro embroidery offering. It's beautiful. It's a custom embroidered natal chart that Jay creates for you or or your um, whoever you're giving the gift to. And then I am going to do a custom um, written report for them as well. So if you want to get in touch about that, send me a DM. Awesome. Well, everybody, I will include all of those links in the show notes. So do not worry. Definitely check them out and book a session with Hannah. I can vouch that her sessions are amazing, super insightful, and full of really cool, actionable information that both goes deep, but also gives you some ideas on how you can really make the most of the information, yeah, make the most of the information in your actual life. So highly recommended. So thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Thank you, Hannah, for coming back on the show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Caitlin. I love you so much. I love all of you out there. I love this community. I love this podcast. I listen in the shower. That's amazing. I'm happy I'm in the shower with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're in the shower with me every day. And um, I'm on, like, day 50 of – our magnificent mantra too. Fabulous. That's awesome. I love it. So, (laughs) well, thank you again. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have an amazing week. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you loved this episode, be sure to leave me a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts app. To keep the episodes coming, click on the link in the show notes to support the show for as little as $1 a month. I am so grateful to have you as part of this movement. I'll see you soon.